Hello, I'm Bob Vessels and I'm from the Netherlands. In this podcast, I will be telling you unexpected stories about Rembrandt, the famous Dutch painter. Compelling and fascinating stories. Hardly about art, no, about his almost unknown life as an entrepreneur. About Rembrandt's business, his finances and his legal affairs. His troubled life in good days and in dark periods, may offer you a new and different perspective on Rembrandt, the most famous artist in 17th century Holland. In 2024, I am planning 24 podcast episodes. Every episode is between 15 and 25 minutes, and all for free. So often I hear Rembrandt. Wasn't he a child from a poor Miller family in Leiden? Welcome, or welcome back again. This episode of my podcast Rembrandt's Money will be about Rembrandt's childhood and first steps as an artist in Leiden. He was born in 1606 and left at the age of 25 years to Amsterdam. Did he grow up in poor conditions? Was his father a penniless miller? In Leiden, he apprenticed to become a painter. When did he finish his training? Did he already start his own art studio prior to going to Amsterdam? And if so, was he successful? I will give away that you will be surprised about the Leiden period. Anyway, yet another compelling and I think fascinating story about Rembrandt. When I meet people, they often say, Rembrandt, isn't that a child from a poor Miller's family in Leiden? To their surprise, the reality is different. Follow me back to October 1628, an ambitious young man visits Leiden. He is an art lover and becomes entranced with a biblical scene painted by Rembrandt. He writes in his diary, in sheer rapture, I quote, that a young youth, a Dutchman, a beardless miller, could put such much into human figure and depict it all. Even as I write these words, I'm struck with amazement. All honor to thee, Rembrandt, with an exclamation mark. And yes, he, Constantijn Huygens was his name, was wildly enthusiastic. Given his high-class social standing and influence, Huygens generally is considered the person discovered Rembrandt. Huygens was the young secretary to stadtholder Frederik Hendrik, the Prince of Orange. He was the highest-ranked officer to the Orange family. In his early thirties, already part of the Holland cultural elite. Forty years later, one of Rembrandt's former students, Joachim von 
Sandraar expressed a similar view. And again, another 50 years later, in 1718, Arnold Haubraken presents his three-volume series with biographies of Dutch painters. He emphasizes Rembrandt's humble origins. His father, I quote, a miller at the Korenmolen between Leiderdorp and Kaukerk aan den Rijn, who by that profession could make an honest living, end of quote. Haubraken, by the way, is terribly mistaken about the location of the mill. The opposite is true. The reality is that Rembrandt belonged to a, in today's terms, fairly prosperous middle-class family. Rembrandt's house in Leiden was located in a rather busy neighborhood near the Wittepoort or the White Gate. Father Harmon ran quite an innovative industrial company at that time, a mill. This mill stood on the city wall next to the White Gate on the north side of Leiden. Did you operate a mill at that time? Then you had to pay, yes, hold on, wind right tax to the city. Rembrandt's father also acted as a district senior with quasi-public powers. The Van Rijn family enjoyed a great deal of respect and social prestige in Leiden when Rembrandt left for Amsterdam when he was just 25 years old. Now back to the answer to the question, Rembrandt did not come from a poor Miller's family. I think it's a somewhat romanticized image with its roots in the 19th century. People liked to look at the past through a romantic filter. That romantic spirit of the 19th century blew over many bearers of Dutch history. Information and entertainment were intertwined. Facts mixed with fiction. As a result, a false perspective with a major impact on the current perception. The mill is present in nearly all Rembrandt's stories and deserves special attention. Rembrandt's ancestors have been millers since the end of the 15th century. If you wish to know more, please consult my website rembrandtsmoney.com and go to the blog supporting the podcast RM24002, A Young Entrepreneur in Leiden. Rembrandt was apprenticed as a painter with Jacob van Swanenburg. He stays with him for three years. This was the usual length for such a training. If you ever go to the University of Leiden's law faculty in the so-called Koch building, go 100 meters around the corner and find the van Swanenburg art studio, now called Young Rembrandt Studio. After this, he continued his education with Peter Lastman in Amsterdam. At the time, Lastman was the most prominent history painter. We do not know whether the Lastman period followed von Swanenberg's immediately or a few months later. <laughs> 
Another unknown is the period in which he did an internship at Las Palmas. The internship itself took six months. Dates I found in the literature range from 1622 to 1625. But how do you look for a lost six months in three years? It is certainly unusual that Rembrandt, unlike many other young men at that time, did not succeed his father in his profession. After all, Father Harmon was a miller of the fourth generation, perhaps because his older brothers were already working in the mill and later succeeded Father Harmon. Rembrandt did not work in the mill. He could have become a baker, the profession of his brother and his maternal grandfather. But no, Rembrandt became an artist without precedent in his family. Rembrandt apparently knew what he wanted from an early age on. After studying at Lastman in Amsterdam, he started his own studio in Leiden. Here he took up the challenge. He wanted to surpass his teacher. A lot of history in his paintings and his so-called tronies. Tronies are paintings and etchings of faces of historical figures, people with imaginary costumes, or etchings of his own face, making funny faces and showing his messy and unruly hair. And he started making etchings that he learned from no one. Everyone agrees that Rembrandt laid the foundation for new etching techniques and representations here. He continued to develop himself in a way that is considered unparalleled by many experts. However, there is no coaching by a mentor, not even by his teacher van Swanenburg. And yet, Jan Dievens was a great competitor at the Leiden painter's market. Rembrandt's work was not very popular, partly because he charged high prices. The young and independent master worked in Leiden. At the same time, Rembrandt built up his own clientele of well-known figures in The Hague. He started teaching students. The painter Gerard Dau is the most famous student from this Leiden period. We all know paintings and etchings are one thing. Making money with it is a different sport. Let's see if and how Rembrandt became a businessman. Who starts as an entrepreneur today must attract customers and generate a solid, continuous stream of revenue while controlling costs. What do we know from Rembrandt's business? He worked from his parental home in Dutch Zijner Oudo's house, according to historian van Houbraken in 1718. That's a great way to limit costs. There are no data indicating that he has another location as a studio too. He produced, marketed and sold his etchings, trolleys and paintings without using an agent. At least there are no sources mentioning such an intermediary. He financed his business by selling his artwork and students paying him. Who knows, maybe Rembrandt's parents sponsored the young businessman. 
Rembrandt grew up in a large, loving, middle-class family with hard-working, wealthy parents. These are the words of his biographer Blom in 2019. I don't think Rembrandt had any other jobs besides his studio work to supplement his income. The question is, is Rembrandt's business running well? Professor Stephanie Dickey from Canada writes in Kodar of September 2021, and I quote, By the time Rembrandt was in his mid-twenties, he had established a thriving art practice in Leiden. He could surely have remained there and built a career as one of his hometown's leading artists. Yet, around 1632, he chose to relocate to Amsterdam, the commercial hub of the nascent Dutch Republic. I wonder whether Rembrandt indeed had a successful art practice in Leiden. I summarize my arguments as follows. His business is fully or partly, you don't know, located in rather small houses of his parents. That doesn't seem to be very inviting when it comes to attracting possible clients. There would be no room to work on larger-sized commissions either. His contemporary, Jan Lievens, had a large number of clients in Leiden. Rembrandt just had a few. Rembrandt had remonstrant protectors following the theological ideas of Leiden professor Arminius, who was a moderate, rather tolerant thinker. The Leiden city's population, however was fiercely against Armenianism. Fourth argument, Leiden in those days was quite poor. Rembrandt charged high fees. In 1628, Rembrandt started etching with no previous training. Was that because his paintings didn't sell? And my last argument, in the early 1630s, Several painters left Leiden, including De Heem to Antwerp, Jan Lievens to London, and Jan van Gooyen to The Hague. Rembrandt's father died in 1630. Rembrandt perhaps found it rather quiet in Leiden, and no longer had a personal reason to stay. All in all, I believe sufficient comments to challenge the statement that Rembrandt had a flourishing practice. My assessment is that Rembrandt's studio did not run well, at least that his business is not thriving. It appears that his work did not sufficiently meet the wishes of the Leiden market. So he chose to move to Amsterdam where his work was already in great demand and where he could expect a more attractive future financially. So Amsterdam it was. Rijksmuseum curator Bikker in 2019 exclaims the booming metropolis was simply the place to be in the 17th century. While Rembrandt was working and living in Leiden, he already had clients from Amsterdam. In 1628, the Amsterdam region Johan Huidekoper 
was one of them. Another client was Alfonso Lopez during a stay in Amsterdam. He was the first buyer of the Lastman-inspired painting Billiam. Rembrandt painted it when he was 20 years of age. And mind you, Lopez was not a nobody. He was an arms dealer for Richelieu, a highly regarded cardinal in the French Catholic Church, and later a prime minister under King Louis XIII. But did Rembrandt definitely choose for Amsterdam, or did he keep a Leiden back door open? Let's find out. Literature holds it that for Rembrandt and his art, the early 1630s, Amsterdam was the place to be. Is that fully correct? Former Leiden Museum curator Vogelaar throws his spanner in the works. He submits that Rembrandt kept open a return from Amsterdam to Leiden. I think his arguments are not without any meaning. First, in Amsterdam, Rembrandt did not move into an independent studio. Second, he did not register as a citizen, a porter. Three, he did not become a member of the Guild of St. Luke. And four, until 1633, he kept on signing his artwork as being located or coming from Leiden by signing with monograms like RL or RHL. With an uncertain outlook in Amsterdam with fierce competition, Rembrandt didn't want to permanently be in Amsterdam. He had not broken off his ties with Leiden, concludes Vogelaar. Hmm, if we assume that the Leiden studio is still active, the question arises, for what purpose? Did Rembrandt want to continue to influence the purchase of Dow's paintings in this way? and charge commission for it? Did he want to attract students in his name in this way? Or would Rembrandt seek cover in case his Amsterdam practice could not be successful? I'm sorry, it is all unknown. However, it seems extremely implausible to me that Rembrandt would move his work to Leiden again. The Leiden market was small and its customer base would be too limited. Furthermore, the Leiden religious climate had little room for individual and artistic freedom. Serving Dutch customers from Leiden then, would Amsterdam regions travel to Leiden for a portrait? Now, I will be throwing some cold water. As is often the case, there are no documents. Rembrandt left virtual no notes, so we have to content ourselves with the answer based on the facts we simply don't know. Further research required. That's it for this time. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know much more about this story, do go to my website rembrandtsmoney.com. The source that you can click on is called Podcast Addendum, A Young Entrepreneur in Leiden. And if you are looking for even more details and sources, consult, of course, my book of 2021 with the title Rembrandt's Money, The Legal and Financial Life of an Artist Entrepreneur in 17th Century Holland.
my podcasts and blogs on the website mentioned rembrandtsmoney.com throughout 2024 built further on my book. The following episode will be about Rembrandt's signatures under his artwork. As I just said, he used letters or combinations of them. What do these letters mean and why did he do so? At some moment, he just signs with Rembrandt. Why this change? Was the choice for Rembrandt his claim for fame? Was he deliberately setting a Rembrandt brand? A surprising search into the way he presents himself in the first years in Amsterdam. Anyway, yet another compelling and fascinating Rembrandt story. <laughs>